0: Welcome to the latest episode of our Market Horizons podcast series. I'm Danielle Kendall, a senior professional support lawyer in ANO's International Capital Markets Practice in London. And I'm very pleased to be joined by Axel DeBacker, a senior associate in ANO's Banking and International Capital Markets Practice in Brussels. Axel and I are going to chat through the potential impact of the political agreement in relation to the draft EU green bond regulation from a mainstream debt capital markets perspective. Just to note that there are specific requirements in relation to securitisations, which we don't have time to go into today. So Axel, when the political agreement was reached in February this year, Paul Tang, who was the European Parliament's rapporteur on this new regulation, made the bold statement that this regulation is, and I quote, a world apart from current market standards.
1: It sure did. And in my view, he really wants to underline a few crucial policy choices under the new regulation. So first, although the new green bond label is voluntary, if an issuer wants to use the label, it will need to comply with prescriptive allocation and disclosure requirements. And then second, what is considered to be green under the label is confined to environmental objectives as set out in the EU taxonomy. And finally, third-party reviewers will effectively become regulated entities, and these are all crucial developments that indeed go beyond current standards and the EU is in fact marketing the regulation as a new gold standard for green bonds.
0: At this stage I think it's fair to say the market is welcoming the political agreement that has been reached as set out in the consolidated text that was formally adopted by the council in May and this is due to its voluntary approach to both the European green bond label and the alternative voluntary disclosure approach. Axel, Might you be able to explain how political discussions have progressed so far?
1: Thanks, Danielle. And and yes, discussions around the EU Green Bond Regulation, they started as far back as March 2018. But especially in the last year, there were some intensive and substantive discussions between the Commission, Parliament and the Council, with especially Parliament and the Council pushing for a much stricter regulation. Now, assuming that there are no significant changes made to this version, when it is subject to planetary votes by parliament, which is now looking like it will take place in the autumn, uh, the current outcome, which will apply 12 months later, is generally a good one. Uh, the new regulation establishes a purely voluntary label, so an issuer can simply continue to issue uh, bonds under the ICMA green principles. But that being said, changes to disclosure may be on the horizon, especially for regulated markets uh, listed green bonds pursuant to uh, the announced changes to the prospectus regulation regime. Now, of course, colleagues talked about the proposed Listing Act changes in an earlier Markets Horizons episode on the divergence of the EU and UK prospectus regimes. But that said, let, let's dive right into the regulation itself. Danielle, could you outline how we will know whether an issuance is using the EU Greenwald Labour rather than following the alternative disclosure approach or simply following the ICMA principles?
0: Yes, yeah, happy to. So, If an issuer wants to use the European Green Bond label, a prospectus regulation-compliant prospectus will be needed, unless, of course, it's an exempt EU sovereign issuer. It remains to be seen whether green bond issuers currently listed elsewhere, including on exchange-regulated markets, will want to change venue. To use the label, the prospectus will need to specifically designate the bonds as European Green Bonds, or EUGB, And the use of proceeds section will need to include a statement that the bonds are issued in accordance with the regulation. But Axel, for you, what is the key substantive difference between the ICMA principles and the requirements for the EUGB label in terms of actual use of proceeds?
1: Well, I think one of the key points of difference between the EUGB label and the current market practice under the ICMA principles Is that under the principles, the issuer describes in its Green Bond framework what green projects it will seek to finance, and then it's really up to investors to assess this. Under the EU GB label, however, an issuer is really confined by taxonomy, and green means that the proceeds must finance economic activities that are so-called environmentally sustainable in accordance with the EU taxonomy regulation.
0: That's right, and unfortunately we don't have time to discuss the mechanics of the EU taxonomy. But could you perhaps explain very briefly what compliance with the taxonomy would entail?
1: I'll do my best. So essentially, the EU Greenbelt label will require issuers to first assess whether the projects or the buildings or the investments for which uh, it seeks financing can be considered as environmentally sustainable under the taxonomy. And crucially, this means that an issuer identifies the relevant economic activities and that it then checks whether these are covered in the lists of economic activities included in the taxonomy delegated acts. If that is the case, it must check whether it meets the so-called technical screening criteria developed for that specific activity. And if this is the case, and the issuer also complies with the taxonomy's additional requirements, being that it meets the do-no-significant-harm criteria, and that it will comply with the minimum safeguards on human and uh, workers' rights, then it can finance its project with an EU green bond, at least in principle.
0: So when an issuer has identified an activity that it wants to finance through a European green
1: bond, what next? Well before the maturity of the European green bond, the proceeds and the issuer can only deduct certain issuance costs, they need to have been fully allocated to assets or expenditures that are environmentally sustainable under the taxonomy. So for example, if a real estate company issues a 500 million euro green bond that matures in seven years and it discloses that it will apply the proceeds to finance green buildings that meet taxonomy requirements, then, prior to the maturity date, it will have to demonstrate that this 500 million euros have indeed been fully allocated to these projects.
0: So that brings me on to another question. Axel, what happens if the taxonomy requirements change during this period? I guess the issuers will want to understand if there's any flexibility in relation to what happens if the technical screening criteria change during the life of the bond.
1: That's right, because it's an essential characteristic of the EU taxonomy that it's very much a living thing. New. Economic activities will be added to the taxonomy, others may be removed. And it's also possible that the technical screening criteria are changed. For example, the greenhouse gas emission ceilings that certain activities must comply with can be reduced or the energy consumption requirements for buildings can become stricter. And this could really create problems for issuers that have issued a green bond with a view to complying with the old criteria and who did not anticipate these new stricter rules. But luckily, the EU Green Bond Regulation foresees a grandfathering regime. And the starting principle is that the bond proceeds must be allocated in alignment with the technical screening criteria that were applicable at the time when the bond was issued. So if the technical screening criteria are amended later and the issuer has not yet allocated the proceeds, then these unallocated proceeds must be allocated in alignment with the amended criteria within seven years. And the same applies to proceeds that are covered by a taxonomy capital expenditure plan.
0: Axel, talking about these taxonomy capital expenditure plans, could you explain how the European green bonds could be used to finance such capex plans?
1: Sure. So very briefly, the taxonomy regulation includes this concept of a capex plan, and this is essentially an investment plan that is drawn up by a company to ensure one of its economic activities will become taxonomy allowed. So, for example, this could be a plan to ensure that an issuer's factories will significantly reduce their greenhouse gas emissions so that these meet the technical screening criteria. And the EU Green GreenBalt regulation now foresees that such capex plan can also be financed through green bonds. And this requires that the issuer publishes this capex plan and that this should also specify a deadline by when you will reach taxonomy alignment, which must be before the maturity of the bond. But crucially, a summary of the capex plan will also need to be included in the prospectus course with the associated potential prospectus liability
0: okay so the prescriptive requirements are flexed to fund climate transition in a forward-looking manner and there's also another area of flexibility that's offered in relation to situations where technical screening criteria are not available or have not come into force by the issue date so in such circumstances up to 15 percent of the green bond proceeds can be allocated to activities that comply with the taxonomy requirements with the exception of the technical screening criteria as long as the activities comply with the general criteria of do no significant harm. So, Axel, so far, we've really been focusing on allocation of proceeds. Let's move on to the detailed requirements in relation to disclosure.
1: Absolutely. So maybe it's helpful to briefly recap what the current market practice is. Because under the ICMA principles, issuers will draw up a green bond framework in which they will identify the types of green projects that they will seek to finance. And a summary of what the proceeds will be used for Would usually be set out in the use of proceeds section of the prospectus. And this framework is not transaction specific and it can be used for multiple issuances. But the EU green bond regulation, however, it takes a different approach.
0: That's right. So forget the green bond framework because the key document issuers will need to draw up before issuance is a green bond fact sheet. The format of this fact sheet is set out in a very prescriptive annex to the regulation. Essentially, the fact sheet will require some forward-looking statements such as disclosure about how the bonds are expected to contribute to the broader environmental strategy of the issuer. Crucially, this fact sheet is subject to pre-issuance external review. We expect this might be a real concern for issuers, especially those with a program in place and the typical short time frame for an issuance under a program may be hard to achieve. This could delay access to the market. And it's yet to be seen how issuers in the market will respond and whether a form of fact sheet can be pre-approved by an external reviewer with just the terms of the transaction completed and re-approved to aid swift execution in addition the fact sheet will count as regulated information for the purposes of the prospectus incorporation by reference provisions and so that means it could be incorporated by reference into the prospectus in that case the fact sheet could be subject to prospectus liability On the other hand, though, if an issuer does not incorporate the fact sheet by reference, an issuer will need to be comfortable that the information contained isn't deemed necessary for investors from an investment decision perspective.
1: Yeah, and although this pre-issuance disclosure is the most time critical for a transaction, we mustn't forget the post-issuance disclosures because issuers will need to report annually on the allocation of proceeds. And they'll have to do that until the proceeds have been fully allocated. And then a final allocation report will have to be drawn up after the full allocation of proceeds, and that will need to be externally reviewed. An impact report will also be required, and this must be published after full allocation and at least once during the life of the bot. And you can have this reviewed by an external reviewer, but there's no requirement to do so. And of course, all these reports will again need to comply with the prescriptive templates that are annexed to the regulation.
0: We've mentioned external reviews of the fact sheet allocation reports and impact report. So this might be a good time to also mention that the regulation introduces a requirement that external reviewers of European green bonds will need to register with ESMA and comply with certain conditions set out in the regulation. They will essentially become regulated entities. So against these very particular obligations, Axel, what are the alternative disclosure requirements for bonds not using the gold standard label, but marketed as an environmentally sustainable or sustainability linked bonds?
1: Well, essentially this is an opt-in disclosure regime. An issuer can freely choose to apply these rules and must then use the templates that the commission will develop both for pre and post issuance disclosures, and this is an improvement on the parliament version, which required mandatory disclosures for bonds marketed in the union as environmentally sustainable. However, there may be some push to use these templates because the rapporteur, Paul Tang has said, this is for issuers that are really keen to show that they are serious about their green claims. And he even said that green not using the system will likely be looked at with increasing suspicion. And what's really important to note is that an issuer opting for this voluntary regime will indeed submit to supervision by a competent authority for the disclosures that it makes.
0: I'm conscious that we're running out of time, but, but perhaps in conclusion we can consider who is likely to use the EUGB label given the concerns around the difficulty in achieving taxonomy alignment and the administrative costs such as in relation to external reviewers. What drivers are there to use the label?
1: It may well be that to begin with, EU sovereigns, supranationals and agencies will be the first to use the label. For example, the EIB is specifically mentioned in the recitals as committing to align its green bond programme with the EU green bonds regulation. It may also be pure play green companies, like certain energy companies, that will use the label first, as they will find it easier to comply with its requirements. However, the label may become more popular as more issuers get used to the sustainability reporting that they have to do under the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive that changes the accounting directive. An uptake will also depend on what investors are looking for, whether they want increased certainty by purchasing bonds with a green label, or whether they indeed need to purchase bonds with a new label, for example, for regulatory or reporting reasons. It will be interesting to see how the market reacts and whether there's any greenium for bonds using the label.
0: And, of course, the review clause states that the Commission will draft a report within five years assessing, among other things, the voluntary uptake of the EUGB label and the use of the alternative voluntary disclosure regime, and that such report will be accompanied, where appropriate, with legislative proposal. So this could mean that if issuers don't take up the voluntary label or the alternative voluntary disclosure approach, a mandatory approach may follow. Uptake by issuers is also likely to depend on how detailed the new ESG Disclosure Annex is going to be under the Listing Act proposals to mend the prospectus regulation. Depending on what is required under the new annex, it may well be that the additional steps required to obtain the EUGB label are perceived as less burdensome. We'll obviously be following developments in this area very closely and engaging with industry bodies, regulators and our clients as it progresses. Should you have any queries, please do not hesitate to contact your usual Alan and an contact. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen today.